What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, we are back for a second time this week because we got a lot of good games this weekend. I don't want to waste any time. We need to dive in. Any thoughts before we go ahead and pick the second half of this week's games? It's just a great feeling, man. Week one, nothing like it. I mean, we're sitting here right now. It's Wednesday night. Jacksonville State and UAB are playing. Montgomery UAB's, kickoff. That's right, the Montgomery kickoff. UAB is up 24 nothing late in the fourth. I mean, I've watched every minute of this game because I'm an addict and I need college football. But tomorrow night is when the real fun begins. We've already picked those games. So we're going to start with that 3.30 window on Saturday. If you haven't listened to our first episode, be sure to go back and listen to the, our first seven games we picked against the spread. We're going to hit the next seven right now. Again, there were just too many good games this week for us to do it in one episode. So we had to split it up into two episodes. Daniel, first game, let's just let's start off with a bang. Miami and Alabama. They're playing in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game in Atlanta, Georgia, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. This is a top 15 matchup. Alabama number one, Miami number 14 in the preseason AP poll. The return of Derek King. You know, Alabama coming off of what we think is the first or second greatest season of all time in college football. And a lot of new faces, though. That being said, Alabama is a 19 and a half point favorite in this game. So, Daniel, does Miami have a shot here? You know, it's one of these where I just, I really appreciate what Alabama has done um, in these kickoff games. And then with Miami, it's just they, like, Alabama can just replicate it year after year. And Miami has just been clawing and clawing and clawing, trying to get back to that place. So for me, I like both teams. I like, you know, we're really high on Miami this year. I really think that they, I don't know, they have a different quality about them than other Miami teams in the past. Um, It just feels different. I think that's partially to do with the attitude. I think it's partially to do with, you know, Derek King. They haven't had, you know, an actual quarterback um, be, I don't know, just like that one of their best players. They've been dealing with these other players being they, – they, they've just suffered with average guys for so long. So, Derek King last year was a breath of fresh air. I have confidence in Rhett Lashley at, as an as a, um, offensive coordinator. I really like that Manny Diaz is going back to calling the defense. I think that the receiving core is going to be a big deal because that's where they were falling short last year. Their drop rate was like over 20%. Um, which is insanely high. Um, and so that means that Derek King was hitting his targets and these guys were dropping catchable balls. That doesn't mean incompletions. So that's what's so crazy. They brought in Charleston Rambo. Uh, we've talked about with, with Oklahoma transfer. Um, and then just a really good crop of freshmen that I really am high on. Um, I think a couple of these guys are really going to break in um, and play some meaningful minutes and maybe either give competition to those guys who were struggling last year or, simply replace them. So um, they've got stable of running backs and hopefully for their sake, a good offensive line. All that being said, this is still Alabama we're talking about. So if, do they have a shot? Yes. Do I think that, you know, is there, there's maybe a higher probability this year than there has been in years past. And like, I've heard somebody say, if you're going to get Alabama, get them this year, you know, 
this is their year to, um, you know, to be gotten because they're not, they're not returning everybody. They move some of their coaches. Like there's just, you know, but 19 and a half points, it tells me all I need to worry about is three touchdowns. If I want to look at how this game is going to play out, I think it'll be close for a little bit. Um, I don't really think, I don't think that Miami is going to go away lightly, but Alabama's played in 10 of these neutral site kickoffs. I was telling you this the other day. They played in 10 neutral site kickoffs since they started doing these back in like 2008. Alabama is 10-0. So I think they're going to win the game. I think we're just talking about margin at this point. Um, And I think, uh, let's see, Chris Marler on Twitter had a really good stat. So – Miami is one and nine in their 10 games versus their last 10 games versus top 10 opponents. Their nine losses were by an average of 23.7 points per game. Only two were by single digits and five were 25 points or more, including three of the last five. So those kind of compiled together. I know that I just spent all this time saying this isn't the same Miami team, but we're talking about Alabama. So I'm going to take Alabama. I'm going to lay the points. I do think it's a three touchdown game. I think this is something that I'm kind of relying on a backdoor cover, which that is fine with me. Cause I think that Alabama will be running the ball at the end of the game to kind of end it. And there's going to be some sort of turnover like Derek King's trying to bring them back. And it's a turnover on a short field. And then, <clears throat> you know, Alabama just puts it on ice and it's, it's over, you know, kind of how they did last year with, with Najee Harris, where he would just kind of be, you know, his, his carries would greatly increase in the second half when they were already ahead and they were just kind of putting those games away. I think it's going to be the same kind of thing. So give me the tide, lay in the points. I'm glad you mentioned the opening games. I have a stat for you in just a second. So first of all, Miami. Miami has one of the highest returning productions in the country. Like they're number nine nationwide with returning production. Everybody's back for this Miami team. They have a full offseason. Yes, Derek King's coming off of an injury, but they're going to be better. Like We're mm-hmm. picking them on the Coastal for a reason. Heck, we're right. picking them on the ACC. But Alabama, players that got drafted from Alabama's offense this past season accounted for 73 touchdowns last year. 73 are now gone off the roster. So you mentioned if you're going to get Alabama, you got to get them early. That being said, in the playoff era, Alabama has played six straight non-conference, like neutral site kickoff games. And not including last year, they had one, got canceled. Um, They've won all six. What do you think the average score is? Probably something – I mean, I don't want to overshoot it, but I would think 40 points, and then they probably only give up like 10. 40 to 12 is the average margin of victory. Alabama's coming off the greatest season of all time. They have the greatest coach of all time. This defense will be top five in the country with a very real chance to be the best defense in the country. And you mentioned right Lashley, you know what offense they're facing? They're facing the Gus Malzahn offense. That's what they're facing in this game. <laughs> all that being said. Gus got him three times. Gus got him three times, okay? And that's where I was going to. Gus did get this team three times with this offense. And then something cool happened this week. Miami brought back the old number font, and I was all in 
That's enough that for moment. you. That's enough That's for me. Uh, here's the thing. Big I think this, this, guy. this game plays out two ways. If Miami can get to 20 points, I think they cover. If they can okay. get to 20, I think they cover. So I'm going to take Miami plus the points. 19 and a half is just a lot. I think Alabama is – I can't believe I'm saying this. I think they are overrated power rating-wise this early in the season. I just think there's a lot of new guys. I think, that, again, they're going up against a very experienced team. There will be mistakes made by Alabama. That is not saying that this team can't go on to be the greatest team of all time again later on the season. I just think there will be mistakes in game one. If Miami doesn't get to 20, I do love the under in this game because I don't think Bam is getting 50. Like, if, if they're getting up, you know, 31-10, they're going to start to, you know, they're going to start to play the guys. Hide get their the guys playbook reps. is what they're going right. to start doing. Exactly. Get a long yeah, season ahead. You're not trying guys. to get guys injured. So, I will take Miami plus 19 and a half. I think Bama might win by 17. But I'll take the 19 and a half. I just think it's a, like a little bit too high. And but, this is this is famously the 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 week that teams are going to be overinflated because yes. we have literally nothing from this season. We're going off of last season and just projections based you, on you've literally seen like that again. Seventy three touchdowns gone. We have not seen this offense. This is purely trusting that Nick Saban's built another powerhouse, which he has, <laughs> and <Yeah>. rightfully so. <laughs> it's just funny. It's like from the outside looking in. I've always been – I've been the guy that's, like, pushing you and gassing you up on Miami. And then, you know, you're – I feel like – I don't know if you're necessarily higher on Alabama than I am. I think we're both high on Alabama. But it's just funny that you're on that side and I'm, like, taking right. the tide. So, All right. Hey, better than last better than last episode where we were six picks the same out of the seven. So, already going up against each other in this there first we go. one. There we go. Let's go to the next game. Texas and Louisiana. You know, I, I've heard some stuff on ESPN like, ooh, sneaky good game. I, I just – everyone knows what's coming. It's Texas, Louisiana. <laughs> sneaky good game. Have you been sleeping for the past eight months? Yeah. Like, do they not pay attention? Texas th – this point spread is – I mean, it's eight points. So, it's like Vegas is messing with you. They're like, it's got to be more than a touchdown if you're going to trust Texas. And right. It, it's a sweet spot. This is a team that beat Iowa State uh, by 17 last season in the opening game. So – Texas and Louisiana. Texas is getting them at home. Does Sark have a good opening game in Austin? So uh, this game I've been looking forward to. It's funny because it is nestled beautifully in this opening weekend, which is why we're doing two pick shows, because it's one of these where it may have gotten the cut where it came off the, the board uh, as far as our, our picks that we make. Um, but it is – it's just such an extra good game. Like it's one that I'll definitely have on a second screen, but yeah, Sark, super interesting. Um, here's my thing. I, I think that Louisiana, they've already like, they're, they're, they're not sneaking up on anybody. So anybody who thinks that this is a sneaky good game or is like surprised or anything like that. Um, it's just kind of it, baffling to me because we just saw this happen last year to a Big 12 team. I don't expect them to do this again in the Big 12. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna get somebody else. I don't think. You know, I think Texas is gonna treat it like a you know as someone that they really want to run over. And then I think there's also a little bit extra juice when it's a new head coach 
So they're going to have something to prove. If this was Tom Herman, I actually would still be tempted to go ahead and play uh, yeah. Louisiana just because the sheer fact that, hey, he, it's a sleepy game because you still have, all, you know, sleepy Tom in here. And so it's like, I think, I think Sark being in here, the juice, the all gas, no breaks that they keep preaching, him having a quarterback, it not being this thing of, oh, we're just going to play two guys. I'm not naming a starter. It's like, no, he named Hudson Card coming in. So he's got his guy. He's going to play Casey Thompson, but he doesn't have to like, you know, if, if Hudson Card's having a great game, he'll play him and then he'll rotate, you know, Casey Thompson in later or, or whatever the case may be. I just think the talent disparity is there. And then the want to is where Louisiana was going to get them. But I think that because of the new coach and the kind of this new culture, Texas is going to have that same want to. And if both teams want it, then the more talented team is going to win. Um, now they're going to win by eight points. Yeah, it's going to be cl- – I, I, I do feel like double digits feels right. Um, I do feel like I'm going to have to watch this closely, though, because I don't think Louisiana is just going to go easily into the night. I think that Billy Napier has a good you know, program. I think he's a good coach. And then all his players that are returning, I mean, it's warranted that they're, you know, ranked and that they're in this position. They're a team that you and I have picked um, as one of the big time ones in the in the group of five. They're going to be in the Sunbelt Championship. Um, you know, it's one of those one of those picks we have. So I am taking Texas. I'm laying the eight points, but I don't feel great about it. Louisiana is coming off of a 10 win season. They. Yeah, we think we think they're gonna they're gonna win the Sun Belt. Really good football team, top team in returning production in the country. But Bill Connolly's form Bill Connolly's formula formula goodness Bill Connolly's formula for that passing yards weigh a lot heavier than rushing yards. This Louisiana team is losing its top two rushers, which accounted for two thousand rushing yards last year. Mm. Not being talked about a ton. They beat Iowa State last year by seventeen, and I think that that upset of Iowa State is really overrating Louisiana going into this Texas game. Texas's roster up and down is, I mean, night and day better than this Louisiana roster. Well, they actually the same, register in the blue chip ratio. Like, they're actually a team that could win. And the same cannot be said for Iowa State. Right. Their roster. Their rosters are probably pretty even with Iowa State, if we're being honest, with Louisiana and Iowa State. Um, Texas, that's not the case. They've got four and five stars all over the place on this roster. Uh Last year, Louisiana's rush defense was not great. And they're going up against Bijan Robinson in a better offensive line in Texas. And so I just don't think it's shaping up well for Louisiana. And we've already talked about I talked about it a little bit. This is not a trap game for Texas. They've mm. had this game circled. It's the first game of a new era. You have to start out with the win if you're Sark. You know the pressure there. This isn't an FCS opponent that you're opening up with. It's Louisiana. They know it. I, they did the Iowa State. Every I'm getting annoyed with like, ooh, trap game. It's not a trap game. Trap game Arkansas would be like, next week is the trap game. That or going to like Kansas State in the middle of the season. Like this is not the trap game. Right. Not in game one. Texas by ten plus. Okay. Hook them. Hook them horns. And week week one's a great time where I think the lines are the least accurate. But the problem is we don't know anything either. But if you feel really really confident in something. And that's my take this offseason is Texas is going to be really good. <laughs> and so, their first of 10 wins right here. Their first this of 10 the first wins. One. So I'm going to catch it 
before the Lions catch on. Texas by 10 plus. I feel very confident in this one. I'll give you some confidence there. Feel good about it, Daniel. All right. Double down. (laughs) Uh, Next, speaking of schools with booster problems, USC (laughs) and San Jose State uh, playing in the Coliseum on Saturday. And this is a San Jose State team coming off of an undefeated season. Like, fought through the COVID stuff. We're not even in their own city for the majority of the season because of the COVID stuff. Really special season. Nick Starkle, which has been a quarterback in college football since, I think, he was in Vince Young's class in 2005. Yeah, yeah, sounds right. Yeah, he's like second quarterback coming out then. Um, Quarterback at San Jose State. But USC, a 14-point favorite at home against the Spartans. Danny, where are you going with this game? Yeah, so this one's, I think – so you've got two teams, obviously different classifications, that I think one team knows that they're good and the other team doesn't know that they're good. I think San Jose State knows that they're good by what they do. So I think that confidence-wise, they can kind of come in a little easier and say, all right, we're good. We're going to be just fine. We're going to – come in here and we're going to do what we do and we don't care who's on the other side. USC is who I have trouble with that sometimes because I think that they get in their head a little bit. I really, you know, this being 14 points, I really like, you know, San Jose state to really give them a game. I think that San Jose state has a lot to play for. Um, Whereas USC, it's more just like, Oh, it's just another game. Yeah. It's the first game, but it's not like a rivalry. There's no smack being talked in this game. You know, oh, it's just San Jose State. And I, I'd venture to say there's probably some players that don't realize what kind of team San Jose State is and the fact that they just beat um, Southern Utah 45 to 14 in week one. Like, that's that's not anything new for them. They just take care of business and they keep rolling. Um, but – USC is much more talented and they are a different animal and they do have bigger things to play for. Um, the 14 point spread has me worried if I'm a USC person and trying to bet USC because I'm thinking they might come out slow. They might stub their toe a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and take USC and just lay these points because I see this game potentially being a 14 point game in the first half. And then I could see USC kind of just imposing their will with their talent in the second half and really frustrating Nick Starkle with the pass rush. Um, I think that they're going to just kind of go full bore after a rough season last year where they kind of felt, I don't know the best way to describe it. I just feel feel like obviously it was an abbreviated season. They were completely out of their element. You know, all, all the teams in California were so, you know, that's, that's something, but all the PAC 12 teams, they just had such a short season. Um, this is like kind of the start of something that, you know, feels normal. So I do feel like USC, Keaton Slovis, you know, him and Jackson Dart, who is the, the backup at quarterback, um, you know, whoever ends up playing, I think if, if Keaton Slovis comes out slow, I don't think that they're going to wait too long. I think they might go to Jackson Dart and get going, I believe in that receiving core like we've talked about multiple times. The defensive line, I think, is going to be a big deal. Um, So just kind of betting on the things I know, I'm going to take USC and lay the points. 
Yeah, San Jose State's going to be the, one of the best teams in the Mountain West, but this is – I mean, I could copy and paste what I said about Texas here. Like, it's not a trap game. Clay Helton is on the hot seat. Right. <laughs> it is the opening game. Pressure is on you to not just win this game, but to blow them out and to cover. I'm taking USC to cover with the 14 points. I think this is a three-touchdown game. I think it's a 14-point spread because of the Clay Helton effect and people not believing in him, and rightfully so, <laughs> I will add. But USC's roster is loaded at the right positions, and that's comparing it to the rest of college football. Comparing it to San Jose State, it's night and again. It's like the Louisiana thing. It's night and day loaded above San Jose State. There's no reason why they shouldn't cover. If they don't – not just if they don't win. If they don't cover – I would be worried if I'm a USC fan mm. with what this team's going to do this year. If they don't cover, I would go ahead and suspect Clay Helton will lose his job before the end of the season. Um, but I like USC by three touchdowns. Go Trojans. Whatever this thing is. Fight on. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, the big one. The big one. 7.30, ABC. We did have an episode breaking this game, this game down fully. Uh, with David Cobb of CBS Sports, Clemson and Georgia. If you haven't seen that episode, be sure to go back and listen to it or watch it on YouTube. This is the big it's one. Shorter. It's only one game, so yeah. But it's you know this one. It's one of the best games of the year. We'll do this with a few more games this year. This one deserves its own episode. But we didn't get to pick it. David gave his gave his pick. Uh, he picked Georgia to cover and win. I forget his score. What did he say? Thirty-one twenty-eight. Yeah, that's what he said. Something like that. Um, but Daniel, we, you know. We got to talk about it a little bit. Let's pick it. Give me a pick, my friend. Yeah, I think um, I really liked hearing David's perspective. And the first thing he brought up when we asked him what aren't people talking about, because everybody just talks about the same old stuff, how great their defensive lines are and quarterbacks. So it's like, all right, what, what's something else? And he went straight to special teams and – you know, something he referenced from Phil Steele was how um, the last five years Clemson has averaged special teams unit in the 80s. Um, and then for Georgia, you know, most recently last year had a, a special teams ranked number seven. So, you know, Georgia does not – I feel like when most people hear special teams, they think about just kickers and punters. So I want to mention that but then kind of move past it. So – Yes, Georgia returns their kicker and their punter. Their punter is on all the All-American lists and is expected to be a Ray Guy finalist, uh, Jake Camarda. Um, the, you know, their their kicker is very solid. He appeared to be last year. He seen he kicked a game winner in the Peach Bowl and and all that. So great great stuff there. Um, but the units, so just field position, which I think this is one thing that Kirby really pulled from Saban when he. When he left him, I feel like we're always going to draw, you know, Kirby and Saban comparisons just because of their relationship and how close they were for so long. Um, but Kirby, special teams wise, I mean, but that's where you see the result of the recruiting that he does, you know, so well. Um, where that team talent composite that just came out in Georgia is number two, right behind Alabama. It's the players one to eighty-five, not just you know, those top 22 that are playing on offense and defense. So all these four-star and five-star freshmen that aren't really getting to play a whole lot, they're on special teams. So I think that that is going to contribute to good field position. I think if Georgia has better field position throughout the game, 
that's going to lead to just more plays in opponent territory. More plays in opponent territory leads to more points. So I think that those are all indicative of one another. Um, obviously, turnovers can absolutely change all of that. So whichever team has to to do that. But I do think that if you're starting from that aspect, and let's say Georgia has a 10 to 12-yard advantage starting field position, well then, all right, what, what else do we know? Yes, both defensive lines are great, but they're not going to play each other. Like you mentioned in that episode, Jacob, they're going to play against an offensive line. Which offensive line do I see, do I trust more? And I mean, you call them out and I definitely believe you. Clemson has had an average offensive line for about 10 years now. And it definitely is fine for, you know, the ACC slate and for who they normally play and they normally get bailed out by it. But Georgia's offensive line, I wouldn't put them as an elite offensive line this year yet. We'll have to see it, but I think they've definitely got some veterans on there that were highly rated and have played a bunch of ball. So if I was going to give an edge, I think Georgia's offensive line is better. I think these defensive lines are very similar and very closely rated. So I think Georgia's going to protect a little bit better. Um, And as I said on the other show, I think that both quarterbacks will have negative rushing yards. So I'm going to, I'm going to lean Georgia here. Um, And so that means I think Georgia by any margin will win. Um, And that means I also get three points. So I'm going to take the three points. I think Georgia wins outright. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, At most I could see it being a 10 point game. Like if a late touchdown or a field goal to kind of ice it away and maybe put the game out of reach, but I do think that this will be the best game of the weekend and it'll be close and contested. It'll be tight early. And then you'll see them start to trade blows as the game goes on. This is going to be a game of inches. You mentioned that you can't go like, Oh, who has a better offensive line defensive line? Cause they're not playing against each other. You have to go put, you know, position battles. Uh, if you're breaking it down, you've also got to like, You've got to see how the game's going to flow. Like, what, like what's going to happen to the game? That's, that's what's so hard about predicting games is predicting, like, the randomness that happens, the special teams mistakes that are going to happen. It's game one. Who's going to miss a tackle? And, like, you know, someone who's getting tackled at a five-yard gain all of a sudden breaks off a 60-yard touchdown. Like, that's the stuff that's hard to, hard to predict. These are two very well-coached teams, two very disciplined teams, two very talented teams. I mean, it's a top-five matchup. It's a three-point spread. So, again, you're, you're talking about inches here. And in a game like this, it can go three ways. It can go Clemson wins and covers, so they win by three or more. Georgia loses and covers, or Georgia wins and covers. And in a game of inches, I will almost always lean, well, if I pick Georgia, I'm getting two out of the three possibilities in this game, (laughs) Uh, just probability-wise. On top of that, in their last three losses, Clemson has been outrushed 209 to 79 on average. And that was to Ohio State, Notre Dame, and oh goodness, LSU. There you go. I was like, who beat the month? The report. LSU. And I mean, one of those games, they got outrushed like 160, 140. The other two were like 200 to 30 and like 200 to 40, where it was just like, I mean, dominated in the rushing game. And so I really do think this game is going to come down to you can rush the ball better, and I trust Georgia's offense to run the ball better. Um, Clemson's not starting their best running back, which worries me. And Georgia has, I'll say, three elite running backs, like three elite running backs in that stable. I trust Georgia's offensive line a little bit more, especially 
knowing that news breaking today, there's a lot of rumors surrounding if Fred Davis is going to play on Saturday. Nolan Turner as well. So if that happens, I really like Georgia's chances here. Uh, Dabo's already said he's going to rotate centers, which against this interior defensive line, Do you think that's gamesmanship, though? Do you think that he was just trying to answer a question by deflecting it and he just said it weird? Because it seems like it was a question – this is just my interpretation that a reporter asks while it's, you know, his his press conference and says, hey, you know, who are you going to start at center? And he says, oh, we're going to rotate him, basically saying – you know, pound sand, I'm not going to tell you who we're starting so you know who to, to key in on. And then personally, I think he's starting one center and he's going to play the one center. I think he's just trying – like both teams or both coaches, I think Kirby and Dabo are both doing this thing where they try to release as little information and then whenever it's absolutely required of them, like 90 minutes to kick off, they're going to release the info. Like Kirby's kind of playing the stuff close to the vest with – we didn't even mention it here, but Tyke Smith, the West Virginia transfer um, at, at, you know, star the uh, corner position. And then um, Darnell Washington, both of them, the, the tight end, both of them out with foot injuries. Kirby keeps saying they're day to day and that they're getting better and could potentially play. But most, most people who've had this injury, it's multiple weeks and expecting like a five week recovery, four week recovery, something like that from when it happened. So that would still put them two weeks out from being able to participate and play. So it's this gamesmanship thing personally that I feel that both of them are playing with one another. Now COVID thing, that's something else. But as far as the center thing, I think that that might be, um, might be a little bit of Dabo trying to play the media. Well, to answer your question, I mean, it could be problem is all the practice reports. I've talked about them playing two guys at center and they haven't settled on one. And regardless, that means there's a true freshman starting at either left guard or center. And again, does not bode well when you're going up against this interior defensive line. Um, all that being said, I think Georgia wins outright. I think Georgia's front seven is the best in the country. And that they're just going to do what Notre Dame did in game one. And that is, you're not going to run the ball. And Georgia's going to sit back and be like, DJ, you can throw for 400. Um, they're, you know, they can, they're going to win some 50, 50 balls, which I think they absolutely can. They've got the size of wide receiver to win 50, 50 balls. But, um, you know, if they're throwing for 400 and rushing for 40, that's not going to go well for Clemson. Um, so I'll, I'll take Georgia to win. I like Georgia 34, 27. Again, I like a close game. Maybe a touchdown late. Excited to watch this one. This will be the game of the week for sure. UCLA and LSU. This game started. LSU opened up as a one-point favorite against UCLA. It's been bet up to three. So they're a three-point favorite now. This is one of those lines where I look at it, and I'm like, what does Vegas know? <laughs> because I don't get it. I, and, and we believe in UCLA, and I don't get it. So it scares the heck out of me. How are you feeling about this game? Yeah, so... First, I want to say, like, the whole, like, Hurricane Ida thing, you know, we're going to keep it mostly football here. But, like, you know, players going through that stuff and thinking about that stuff, I think, is a factor in this. Um, if we were separating the two, I would pick – I feel like I would pick LSU to win outright by at least a touchdown. I feel like it's probably – you know, 
an SEC team going against a middling Pac-12 team. Now, granted, LSU didn't show a whole lot last year to give you confidence, but I think several people understand what LSU normally is. Last year was a weird year, and then they were coming off of the greatest year. So it's just a lot of things going on. I think most most people who are picking LSU are picking them between nine and three and eleven and one. Um, so they expect this win. I would expect most people to not value UCLA's home field advantage when you're talking about these lines and where the game is played. So UCLA, you know, it being a three point, you know, game, LSU is the favorite. So that would still only be six points if it was on a neutral site. Um, I just don't, it's just, this is just weird. So then for me, I'm going to also add in the fact that LSU, who's an extremely emotional team, an emotional program, that's always how they've been. Louisiana has a pride in doing things that way. Um, and so I kind of think that they're going to channel that emotion from what's going on with the hurricane. I think they're just going to beat the crap out of UCLA. <laughs> I think it's a 21-point game, and I – I'm like you. I like UCLA, and I expect UCLA to have a good season for what they're expecting to do. I think they're going to have a good good lines of scrimmage, things like that. But I just think that once LSU gets out there and starts doing stuff, I mean, I don't think Dorian Thompson-Robinson is the kind of passer accuracy-wise that can consistently beat these corners and Eli Ricks and uh, Derek Stingley. I just think that Okay, so you start out with that where they're going to have a tough time getting – the receivers are going to have a tough time getting free, and you don't have a super accurate quarterback. So then you're going to be forced into running. And I just think that if LSU knows where your bread is buttered, then they're going to attack that. And so if they're – if they just put those corners on an island, I know that you play more than two corners and you have more than two wide receivers, but for, what, for all intents and purposes, if you're putting those corners on an island with their receivers – and you're playing this front seven against this in this box. I mean, I'm going to take LSU all day. And so if I really don't think that they're going to score a whole lot of points, I mean, I definitely, I do, I think that LSU is good for at least 24 points. So, um, and that's, that's just being very conservative. So I, I don't know. I kind of see this one being like a, a 31, 31 to 10, maybe, maybe higher, maybe, if, you know, in the forties. I don't know. We'll see how much LSU, Wants to, I just don't think that it's going to be super close. Yeah. Echo everything you just said. I, I agree. I think I think LSU wins, and they win by, like, 10-plus, I think. <laughs> like, I think the spread should have been a touchdown or more. Um, two things. DTR did not look amazing last week. And I, I love DTR. He just didn't look amazing last week. Like he's just he's really cool in this offense. I think it works for him. Yeah, and yeah, he and, and you you mentioned with the defense. You you took several of my points, <laughs> but we're on the same page here. The defense can their wide receivers win one on one battles against LSU's corners. The answer is no because ninety five percent of the country can't win one on one battles against LSU's corners. They they have the best corner duo in the country. And Bud Elliott mentioned this today on a podcast where he talked about LSU playing. It's called like the one rat defense, which is a cover one over the top. You, have, you, you kind of have stacked with your safeties. Mm. One's covering deep, one's covering shallow. And basically they're saying, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to throw it 
like outside the numbers, one on one, but against LSU's corners. So good luck. I think they shut that offense down. How does the hurricane affect LSU? You talk about that. I think this could go again really good or really bad. Really bad. They're not there mentally. They're thinking about their home and their families, which I hope and pray their families are safe. Right. But they don't have to worry about that. Or like you said, it's just they're gonna take it out on UCLA on Saturday and they they beat the heck out of them. So I Coach like LSU to somehow win. gonna say like they caused this hurricane. We're gonna go take it to them, and then that's right. They're gonna pull the old, you know, yeah. pull something out of a hat like like Dabo, and <laughs> just make something up and take Roll it out of UCLA. Yeah. So I like LSU to if, if LSU's gonna win, they're gonna cover. So if not, they're gonna lose the game. I think. So I like LSU to win. I like LSU to win big. We're both on the same page there. Sunday night, we have Sunday night and Monday night games. Think I'm so glad college football's back. Quote uh, Carrie Underwood. Oh, Sunday night. All right. Dote Campbell Stadium. FSU with a full stadium with a program that is going to be believing. Again, 0-0. Notre Dame's in town. We When Notre Dame comes to town, everybody shows up. Everyone has their best environment when Notre Dame comes to town. And that stadium's going to be rocking. I want FSU to be good again so bad. The spread is a seven and a half which seemed low when it came out. And ha- have I almost convinced myself that Florida State can win this football game? Am I crazy? Uh, yeah, so I'm very much a believer in Florida State. Crowds are back. I'm excited about that. Florida, the state of Florida is one of the you know first to I – mean, I just feel like they're going to be all in. This crowd's going to be rowdy. Um so I think this is going to be a big deal. I think it's going to be a big factor in the game. Um, Notre Dame, I'm not willing to jump off the ship because of players that they lost because I do think that Brian Kelly deserves a certain level of credibility for the sustained success that he has had at that program. And he's had a few bad down years, but for the most part they've been consistently a uh, high-win bowl team to all the way up to a playoff contender. Uh, playoff team so I want to keep that in mind when I'm thinking through this um you know Jack Cohn coming in at quarterback he has won the job I really like the floor that he has that I think he's got a high floor but I get (laughs) some good language (laughs) I just really don't know about what they can do throughout I, I think he's good enough to beat Florida State I think the Jack Cone straight up is good enough to beat Florida State. I think that they have enough. Kyron Williams at running back, Kyle, uh, uh, Kyle uh, Hamilton at safety. Yep. Like they've got some players all over here, even though they're replacing a bunch. They still got NFL dudes on this roster. They've been recruiting um, at a better clip than Florida State over this time. Now, I think Mike Norvell is really an approved state. Something that surprised me upon listening more to some of the Florida State guys, it seems like Jordan Travis is probably going to start at quarterback. So that tells me either one of two things. Either McKenzie Milton is not healthy or Jordan Travis is a straight-up dog and just beat out McKenzie Milton after 
everybody just basically crowning, including myself, crowning McKenzie Milton as the dude who's going to come in and save this, this roster. Now, um, Jordan Travis is a fast guy and they were going to try to get him on the field anyways. So I don't know, man, I'm kind of in the mode of, I'm just going to take the points and see what happens. I think Florida state has the ability to win outright. I like them being at home, but a home team getting points and it's seven and a half. So they get that extra hook makes me feel really good about it being more than a touchdown. So I'm just going to take FSU, take these points and just go run and hide and then hopefully, my, for my sake, you know, Florida State is back because that would be a really fun story of Florida State toppling Notre Dame. Um, and then just kind of going from there and see, seeing this team. Uh, it seems like Norvell's kind of got this thing trending in the right direction. And uh, listening to ACC Media Days, Jordan Travis and McKenzie Milton were both present. So he took two quarterbacks and they both – kind of seemed in lockstep with what Mike Norvell wants to do. So I feel like if he's got two quarterbacks bought in that strong, then I think there's just a ton of great leadership. And I think the locker room is going to be good no matter who's starting. So yeah, give me the Knowles. I want FSU to be good again. And here's the thing. FSU wants FSU to be good again. (laughs) Their fans, if nothing, are not delusional. Uh, And in 2019, I, I was living in Florida. And I had a coworker who was a Florida State fan. And I said, Hey, before the season starts, give me your, you know, what are you thinking? Eight and four? You know, it's year two. It's year two of Willie Taggart 2019. Uh, you know, eight and four, nine and three will be really good. And he's like, Dude, 12 and 0, college football playoff. Well, they, they went six and six and fired their head coach in case we <sighs> forgot how that went. Um, so here's the th- but I say that to say this. Florida State fans believe they can beat Notre Dame on Sunday. <laughs> and that's going to be a factor in this game because that it's crowd's going to show up. On top of it, here's some more motivation. It's the only game on Sunday night, so all eyes will be on this game. Big for recruiting. Bobby Bowden. They're doing some cool stuff for tributes to him. On the Again, field and that's everything. Gonna be, that's going to be some extra motivation, both in the crowd and for the team, I think. They're going to play for Bobby Bowden. So... I think Florida State's going to be improved this year. How healthy is McKenzie Milton, to your point? I've heard the same stuff you have. Jordan Travis is probably going to start. What country hasn't done well with two presidents? You know, uh, no team that I've ever seen rotate quarterbacks has done it well. Maybe the 2006 Florida Gators team, but that was the last time. (laughs) Um, That doesn't go well for Florida State. I think we're forgetting something here. Notre Dame is a playoff team. Two of the last three years, this isn't like, oh, it's a, it's like a pretty good power five team. No, no, no. Like, this is a top four team two out of the last three seasons. Uh, yes, they lost nine players in the NFL draft, but this is a high-caliber college football program. Jack Cohn is safe and efficient. And the thing is, he he's probably grown as a quarterback. We're probably going to see the best version of Jack Cohn this year in the offense. Um, Notre Dame has shown they can develop really good offensive linemen. So I know they lost a couple of guys, but I expect that offensive line to be really, really good. Kyron Williams can tear it up on the ground. I expect them to just be efficient on offense, like very balanced and impose their will against Florida State. I think the spread should honestly be higher. I like Notre Dame by 10 plus. I, I love Notre Dame by 10 plus. So 
that's just how I see this game going. I see them imposing their will. Florida State's defense is a problem. They just their roster is not there yet. Um, one thing Bud Elliott's mentioned is that Jermaine Johnson, who transferred there from Georgia, is probably the best player on the defense. And again, this is this is a Notre Dame team where Jermaine Johnson was on the team with Georgia when Notre Dame played and played a close game, and he barely saw the field at Georgia. And so if he's the best player on Florida State's defense, that tells me that defense has got some guys and aren't there yet. <laughs> and so I think they'll grow throughout the season. They're going to be better this year. They're just going up against a top – honestly, a top five program in college football um, in, in game one. So I'd like Notre Dame by 10+. plus. Our last game of the weekend, the other Chick-fil-A kickoff game, a team with a lot of hype around them in Ole Miss. So Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin taking on Louisville, Scott Satterfield – Awkward year last year, kind of killed some momentum while almost kind of building momentum. I mean, Josh Pate has Ole Miss 14th in his JP poll. That's a little high. But, I mean, is there any team more exciting this offseason than Ole Miss? I don't know if there is. And, Jacob, you mentioned it, but these two teams, these two programs, I mean, you talk about complete opposite directions, it seems. Like, Ole Miss is just, you know – their media darling after how they had that shootout with Alabama and really almost other, other than Florida gave Alabama the best game of the year um, where they were trading blow for blow and Kiffin is just a lightning rod for attention, but I feel like has also matured. Um, So some people like, I think there's a national persona of Kiffin that, Hey, he's this guy who's just immature and crazy and, all this kind of stuff. I think that if you listen to the actual words he says, he's very mature and understands and really grew with, with Saban and being around Saban. Um, and then obviously his dad's a, a coach and NFL coach and all this kind of stuff. But I think that he's also got that kind of swagger about him that you need to be able to, to win these, you know, win these games and, and stuff like this. So I think that this is an Ole Miss win. Um, the 10 points, it's it's really, okay, how much do I trust them? And then am I also fading Louisville? Yeah, I'm doing both of those. And so really this comes down to three words, John Reese Plumley. All right. <laughs> I knew you are going to find a way to mention him. Yeah. So I am just a huge John Reese Plumley fan. I think he's one of the best athletes on this team. Um, I feel like Ole Miss has gone – above and beyond to try to actually fit him into the scheme last year they had him as the backup quarterback because there was that competition between him and Matt Corral um you know and so most you know, mostly it's a joke because I'm I'm like a, a John Reese Plumley fan but I really do honestly believe that hey this is like I think they're going to find a place for him now because they bring in Luke Altmeyer to be the backup quarterback I think if an emergency happened Plumley would come back over and be the guy but You've got Matt Corral kind of established in his position, one of the best returning SEC quarterbacks. And now you can use someone who is a supreme athlete like a John Reese Plumley, kind of in the slot and doing some of these things and maybe make up for some of the loss of Elijah Moore. Um, they've got several receivers, several guys that they can work through, but I think that that's going to kind of help. Obviously, Jerry on Ely at running back, you know, doesn't get talked about enough as a, you know, a formidable guy. Um, and I think that he's one of the best backs in the SEC. I think that he will run all over Louisville and they will have plenty of rushing yards. They'll outrush Louisville big time. Um, and yeah, I think this, 
Kiffin really wants to be on a national stage and really wants to show out. So I could see, like, my, my question is the 10 points here. I, I feel without a doubt that Ole Miss will win, but I feel like the style points are really going to come into play because it being, and I say national TV, every game seems to be tel- is televised, but it's the lone game. It's the only game. It's got its showcase like the one we were just talking about where it's by itself. So I think that that aspect, it's going to kind of bring the best out of Kiffin as a play caller and bring the best out of this team. They're really going to want to put, you know, a hurting on, on Louisville. So uh, yeah, give me, give me Ole Miss and lay the 10, which is also John Reese Plumlee's number. So there you go. Ole Miss has been a hot team this off season. I think their ceiling is a top 15 team. We'll see if they get there this year. The defense will improve, but by how much will that defense improve, especially in game one, Ole Miss ranked 115th in opponent yards for play last year. Louisville ranked in the top 20 in that category last year. This was an efficient offense. I know the season didn't go the way they wanted, but a really efficient offense, both in the air and on the ground. I love the over because I don't know if either defense are going to get a stop <laughs> on Monday night. Um, but in a game that I think is actually going to be pretty close, Louisville's going to be able to score. I don't know if Ole Miss will get enough stops to win by like 11 or more. And so I'm having trouble just getting the math to get Ole Miss to cover by 10. I think they're the better team. I think they're going to have a much better season. But I will take the points with Louisville. I just think, again, it's the whole what storylines have been hot. Everyone's talking about Ole Miss's offense. I haven't heard a lot about the defense and if it's going to be improved at all. I think it can be. I'm just going to have to see it first before I am easily laying 10 with Ole Miss. So I think most of the narrative for most people – has been, well, it can't be any worse. It's got to be better, right? And it's like, that's dangerous. So yeah, well, <laughs> It couldn't be much worse because you were almost the worst. <laughs> so <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I will take the points with Ole Miss. And that wraps up our week one on deck college football. <laughs> we get to watch all of these games. Uh, be sure to be following us on Twitter. I mean, I mean I'm sure you and I will have commentary on all of these games this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you can follow daniel on twitter at deep south daniel you can follow me on twitter at jacob Carnes with a k that will do it for this edition of the extra point he is daniel i am jacob see ya